Welcome to the MRX Influencers Podcast, where you come for the insights, but stay for the good times. I'm Dan Fleetwood, and on this podcast, I chat with the best and brightest minds in the research space. On today's episode, Mark Rodericks, who's a marketing manager here at Question Pro, and myself talk about the top trends in market research going into 2022, what to keep an eye out for, and specifically three that I think you really need to keep on your radar. Hope you enjoy the episode today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Live with Dan. But no Dan right now. Uh, we're having a little technical difficulties. So thanks for joining me, Crystal Weiss, the Director of Marketing here at Question Pro, as we get ready to dive into an awesome conversation with our guest, Matt Seltzer, or oh, he'll pronounce it here in a second uh, when I add him in, but we are so excited that you're here. I know typically Dan has a really grateful agenda, and I'm going to try my best to be another Dan or, or, you know, the lady Dan, if you could say that. And we are just so glad that you're joining us across Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Make sure to give us a like and a comment and we will reply as we can because we love interacting with you guys. So since I don't really know what else we were supposed to be doing, I want to bring in our guest for the day, Matt. Uh, let me just add you. Hey. How's it going? It's going great. I'm so glad you're here and that we get a chat. I didn't even realize we were going to be talking about marketing. It's a big topic for me. Yeah. But uh, no, you and I chatted real quick before this. We're going we're gonna to have a great conversation. This is going to be fun. I know. Can you believe it too? Hype Master is just like <laughs> chatting away. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all, all about this. Um, I love it. So I guess like as an intro, oh, somebody just sent me a note that was like, here's some help, helping points if you need it. Perfect. So tell good. me a little bit about yourself. First of all, how do you pronounce your name? Because I didn't know that. So it's Seltzer, just like Alka Seltzer. Dan! Hey! Yeah! <laughs> you know, I... I... I uh, <laughs> I think was Dan has never been so been so welcomed into a room before. You know, when in doubt, restart the computer. That's what I did. Oh, so. that's a great idea. Always there we know. go. Woo! So I know. So, is, if you didn't know, this is Matt, like Alka Seltzer, but just Seltzer. Yep. Oh, I like it. Nice. That's as far as we had gotten. Okay, Absolutely. you guys didn't get very far. That's good. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's the iceberg, but it's a good place, place to start. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, you know, there's nothing like panicking right before you're supposed to be on a live stream. So um, that's good. No, I'm glad I was. I'm glad I was able to get my issues fixed. Matt, it's a pleasure uh, to finally actually. This is the first time we've met, so I've heard yeah, a lot is. about you and everything. So it's great to have you on the show today. Uh, it's great to be here. I've, I've watched the show for a while, so this is cool. I even, was, I, I even shouted to my wife last week. I was like, they gave me a shout out. So this is cool. <laughs> oh my god, I love finding live with Dan fans. Fan right? Dan. You know? <laughs> he's not only a listener; he's a presenter now, or like you know, Woo! contributor. So that's good. And hey, that's go. a lot of fun for me. So no, I appreciate this opportunity a lot, very much. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Matt Seltzer wrote wrote a book, The Creative Catalyst, yeah. owner of S two Research. I'm sure I'm missing out on a few other things that you've done. Oh, there's the book too. There's the book. To pick, I'm going to pick that up. I need to read it. You know, Matt, what I thought we could spend our time talking about today was, you know, marketing, marketing research, and sort of that mashup. It's Absolutely. funny because I'll tell you a little backstory. When I was in college, I got a degree in marketing. Always thought I would go into like the sexy advertising world. And, and I got an internship for a marketing research company. And then the rest is history. So I remember hearing one of your talks around, you know, you kind of geek out on advertising and, but you like the research aspect. So 
I think we're similar in that regard. We have the exact same story. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I said, okay, I want to work in advertising. I want to work in an agency. Um, yeah. Went to the biggest agency and I'm in Las Vegas. And my foot in the door was an internship in the research team. And I'd previously worked for an accountant, my dad, actually. And I, the only reason I got the job is I was the only person who applied to new 10 key. And oh, that comes okay. in real handy when you're a market research intern. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And what I found out after that is, okay, this is a really cool part of the advertising agency world. Uh, cool for me. I mean, I really dug what we were doing. We were asking questions. We were doing surveys. We were conducting focus groups. And I say we, it was the people that I worked for. I was, again, yeah. just doing data entry. But I learned a lot in that role. And then I worked there full time for a while. And I say this, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do forever. Yep. But I actually got laid off in 2008. 2008, it happens. Yeah. Um, yep. And I could not find another agency that had a research team. Interesting. Oh. And that's kind of been an interesting takeaway that's defined my whole career ever since. Something a little more. <laughs> we're, we're pretty similar because also in, in 2008, I think it was 2007 going into 2008, the company I worked for, they were going out of business. So technically, I was laid off for about two hours. But this other company acquired the business, the book of business I was working on. But mm-hmm. it was a similar story. And another fun fact, it was the same day that we closed on a house to buy. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, interesting. There, but it was, you know, it all worked out, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt, tell me about... So I know you geek out on advertising, right? And oh, yeah. Tell me about your favorite ad of all time and then your favorite ad in the last six months or recently that you've seen. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so a favorite ad, and I'm biased because, again, I live in Las Vegas, but there's yeah. a great, great ad. It came out probably about eight years ago now, around the World Cup um, for Visit Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So what happens okay. to stays here? But it's one of my favorite ones because this this group of guys, they're holding this giant trophy and they're running down the hallway of their hotel room sound, shouting, uh, champion, champion, champion. And they're running through Vegas. They're handing the trophy to other people who are holding it for them while they're celebrating. I mean, everyone was so stoked throughout all of Las Vegas that they won whatever the heck they won because they got the big trophy. And as they're walking back to their room, you find out the trophy is actually just a vase that they found at the hotel <laughs> and thought it would be fun to run around saying champion. And <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Again, I remember because I was watching the World Cup right around then, so it all kind of t- stung together. And That's funny. Um, That's amazing. Uh, God, in the last six months, though, I don't know if I can come up with a good example. I have uh, one. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I also have a degree in advertising and went to college across from Wyden and Kennedy in Portland. And mm-hmm. But yeah. lately... I was watching Hulu and the ads in Hulu were coming or maybe Peacock, one of those channels that's supposed to be free from ads, but it's not free. Um, and the ad was interactive with your I, your Apple um, oh, cool. yeah. like, remote. And it was like, okay, so you could click through the, why the ad was playing and had like, it was like an in-screen kind of experience. And they also had a QR code. You could click through the different products that while the ad was going and I was like, this is true, like taking advertising, feel good, can't measure who sees it, Nielsen shenanigans, yep. but adding it with like real market metrics, like marketing metrics, being able to see how many people are like scanning. Cause you can scan a QR code from like real far away. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is awesome for someone who's like, oh my gosh, I bet you they're tracking how many people click through which and how far they click through. And if they, well, then you have so much data and which way are they going? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
That's oh, I, that's a good one. Yeah, I, like I thought that. it was just it was like for a Microsoft Surface tablet. And then they could show you all the different versions of the tablet. And so, well, you still get the fun, like, oh, like that kid building his dream shoe and like getting it sponsored by Nike story. You also get the like practical application. Yeah. That's good. I like that one. Okay, like so we can one. do engagement stuff. I have some good ideas then. But yeah, no, no, Dan, you're up. No, I think two of, two of my favorites right now or in the last six months, all are by insurance companies. So I think Geico has some like super clever ads and... I think this one was reminiscent of maybe my, you know, childhood growing up in the 90s, but the one where Tag Team is there with the, you know, scoop, there it is. Have you seen that one? That no, one's one of my, I have not seen this one. Yeah, <laughs> that one's one of my favorites. I don't know. It just, even my kids liked it for some reason. And then the other one is by Progressive where it's like people becoming, they realize they're becoming their parents and it's like this, this guy that's talking them through it. So like they're at a grocery store and they're like, oh, there's the manager. I got to tell the manager that Billy in aisle five is doing a real good job or, you know, he's returning the cart. And he was, as he returning the cart, he's like, hey, this one pulls a little bit to the left, you know? So it's like these things where like you, people slowly realize they're becoming their parents and it's this, yep. guy, <laughs> this guy that's playing like this counselor kind of guy that's helping them oh, not yeah. become their parents. So those are pretty funny to me. Yeah, I like those things that stick with you in the, in the heart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I yeah. have that becoming my parents' realization more more often than I'd like. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. No, actually, you know the good one that I want to uh, that came to my mind. That's interesting. I don't. I actually don't watch a lot of live ads because I stream everything. Um, right, right. But the biggest thing to me was Spider Man No Way Home, which six weeks before the movie came out, that's when we got a trailer. It arguably didn't tell you anything, but the day before the movie came out. Marvel was out in New York giving out copies of the Daily Bugle. That's so fun. Yeah, cool. and I was like, that's cool. we still don't know anything about the movie, but okay, <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, give me another Kool Aid, I'll drink it. Right, uh, right. And uh, and it was a great movie, and no spoilers, but yeah, it was it was awesome. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Matt, another thing I heard that your one of your favorite books is on advertising by David Ogilvy, right? Is that, is that oh true? yeah, Ogilvy on advertising. Ogilvy on advertising. So. What are some of your, what are like some of the key takeaways that you've heard from that book that you think would be helpful for people to hear? Oh God. Um, now it's been a little while since I've read it too, but I'll, I'll tell you Ogilvy in general, he has a great quote and I, I hope I don't butcher it. Uh, advertisers who ignore research are as dangerous as generals who ignore decodes of enemy signals. Um, mm -hmm. And for those who don't know Ogilvy, I mean, he really is the godfather of advertising, Ogilvy and Mather and, great team. They still invest heavily in thought leadership, market research, even neuroscience. I mean, pretty cool stuff. But I say all this because at the end of it, Ogilvy said really uh, just a lot of smart things. He's someone I quote a lot. And again, I'm going to butcher some of these. But I think at one point he said the point of, uh, the point of writing any sentence is to make you want to read the next sentence. And that was a very big concept of the book, to answer the question, is you know, why are we doing this? It's, it's great to be creative. And I'm, I love creativity. I genuinely, it's, it, it's such a neat concept that we can develop something from nothing, something cooler from nothing. But in our industry, and by our industry, I mean marketing, creativity must have function. Mm. We have to, so that sentence, as creative or clever as it can be, if it does not make the reader want to read the next sentence, it's not doing its job. Right. And then I mentioned neuroscience. I mentioned, um, well, I didn't mention, but behavioral economics. I mean, 
if you take that thinking of if we're going to create a sentence, and a sentence doesn't have to be a sentence at this point, it could be an ad, it could be a billboard, it could be a digital execution. Its purpose should be to make you want to go to the next thing. And through knowledge of the brain, knowledge of humans, knowledge of people, knowledge of people and people, meaning the macro and the micro, we can really map out those next sentences. So that's where I geek out over this stuff. <laughs> no, I, I love that because I think it helps out not only in advertising, but any any writing that you do, whether it's emails or if you're storytelling based on like data that you get, like oh, make them want to read the next sentence. And I think it's interesting, especially when you think about like how much money is waste, how much money and time are wasted on, you know, poor communication, right? And mm-hmm. if you can just break it down to that, I think that's a really interesting point to me. You know, one of the coolest micro tactics I've ever seen, but it's to your point. Um, I downloaded a white paper, which everyone's seen before. And of course I filled in for my, my information, which everyone's seen before. And I got the email drip, which everyone's seen before. Yeah. But the interesting thing, so email one, I get right away, which is the white paper. Email two, I get 10 minutes later and that's expected to, and it's very marketing-y, welcome to our thing. Email three, I get five minutes later it's from the head of marketing, and we'll call him Dan here. I don't, I don't remember his name now in this. This was about two we'll years ago. We'll call him ago. Dan. As long as you're smart, Matt, you can call him Dan, okay? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a plain text email like it was written on a phone. It says, hey, Matt, saw you downloaded the white paper. Not sure if you had a question, but if I can help you out, here's my cell phone number, Dan. And I was like, this is cool. And below that, it even had the schedule a meeting link, which I went to click on. And I was like, this is cool. Some guy saw that I downloaded this. And went to it. And I don't even remember what made me think of it, but I go, no, that was automated. Yeah. That was, that was <laughs> totally programmatic. And how brilliant. That's awesome. Because someone thought through, okay, he's going to ignore the two marketing emails. Yep. Um, and that makes the organic ones seem a lot more organic, which is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's did you cool. try calling the phone number? I did. It, it was uh, it was a Google number, so it could or could not go uh, okay. out. Um, and I bet it has a pretty high success rate. Yeah. But again, That's cool. I like that. That's an awesome example. actually organic. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. We got to get that in our drip campaigns, Crystal. We do like a that. lot of plain emails. I disguise them. Okay, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> that right there, and I, this is what I love about what, what I do, what marketing is. You know, a lot of people think marketing is devious. I've heard that before. I have a good friend who thinks that way. In my mind, we're just trying to help people get down a path, but Organic. We know organic is going to perform better. It's, it's more sales than marketing. Um, but if we know that, we build it into our language, into our funnel, because really we are just trying to help people and help them find the product, services, whatever the heck they need. Because theoretically, if they don't need it, they will fall out of the funnel. That's the way it works. And we're just helping. But if our brains are primed to ignore marketing, and right. our brains are primed to ignore marketing, yep. it's up to modern marketers to integrate our messages better, make it work better for customers. Now, That's interesting. That's interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Crystal. Kind of, there's like, a, I can see where your friend comes across. Like, I totally get their perspective, right? Like, with the way we see marketing organically seeping into your life, you're like, is that influencer marketing to me? Or are they influence? Or is it organic? But kind of bringing full circle to Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. That is accurate. Right? Like we we do collect a lot of data points. We do know a lot about how to manipulate the human condition, to be frank. And as we try to 
I think the difference between like a sketchy marketer and a good marketer is, are you trying to manipulate their conditioning or are you trying to support them? Are you trying to make... That's a great word for it. Are you trying to guide them to what they need or are you trying to manipulate them to what you want? That's true. I think that's good. (laughs) I'll tell you... The, the interesting thing with that, and this is something I always really liked. Um, you guys ever read Raving Fans? It's a, oh, it's not a Ken Blanchard book. It might be a Ken Blanchard book. I'm sorry, Mr. Blanchard, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I haven't read it, but I, I'm in intrigued now. Oh, it's one of my, it's it's another favorite. I read way too many books. I, I love, but uh, yeah, that's, a, that's its own geeky hobby. But the concept is if someone loves your brand, they're going to support you. Um, mm-hmm. There's a story I tell about a coworker uh, who she found a dress over the summer. And again, we live in Las Vegas. It gets really hot here. And she was so impressed by this dress. It was, it had everything she needed from pockets, which I've learned is very important. Uh, and, and the way sweat works again, I'm not going to go too far. But <laughs> she not want the dress in every single color. And then two months later, they came out with two more colors and she bought those. And she goes, I, I would buy more. They just simply don't have more. And that's a raving fan. And mm. if you, if you get someone to go where you want them to go, as opposed to supporting them, supporting them is the only way you ever get a raving fan. Um, mm. Your product experience sells itself. If the product experience doesn't sell itself, which really comes from someone saying, I love this. I love this cheeseburger. I love this coffee. I love this business I do business with. If they're not really saying that, then your marketing has to keep supporting you, even of your current clients, because you might even lose them. Raving fan concept, which again is predicated by we have to support through our marketing, that sells itself. Then your customer experience becomes the marketing that keeps them coming back. And again, all of that can be programmed Mm. and thought through, through great research, through great experiments. Mm. I mean, even just mapping out how your customer roadmap looks. I'll I'll give you a great brand. And and I caution because I know a lot of people are hesitant on this brand. Uh, But Chick-fil-A is very... I love Chick-fil-A, Matt. <laughs> I'm not all But you, you come in there, you get the best customer service. Yeah. Uh, In-N-Out is another brand like that too. Where I love In-N-Out too. Yep. It's not coincidental that these businesses, In-N-Out's a great example of this, have a line out the door. Uh, literally, if I go into the drive-thru, I, and I, I have an In-N-Out right by me. I know that's not the case for everyone in, in everywhere. So it's... Especially. We have one here. Yeah, we're, oh, spoiled. we're spoiled here too, Matt. So perfect. <laughs> um, but both of those brands, I know I'm going to get a smile. I know I'm going to get please and thank you. And it's programmed into their culture in such a way that this is their marketing. Yeah. I, I don't need a sign or Trader an Joe's ad. Is the same way. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yep. but again, to think of that as devious. Someone who doesn't want please and thank you isn't more attracted to please and thank you will fall out of that funnel. In and out isn't for them. Like they'll get a shake shack. Yeah, or I mean they <laughs> gravitate toward what works for them. And you look at a Pareto principle of 80, you know, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. Yeah. That's your raving fans. Sure. Uh, so a great concept from that book, but it always made me think that, okay, if that's our goal that I don't want to just get someone to buy my blender once. I want them to buy my blender every time they run out of blenders, their blender breaks. They want to give someone a blender. They love my blender that much. I obviously deviate from product to product in this example. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I need to 
have not just marketing experience, but a product and service experience yeah. that matches or exceeds expectations. So they come back. Um, that's true. That's true. I think one thing about your Chick-fil-A example, it's perfect because mm-hmm. like you said, when I go there, I know like when my, or- after I place my order, they're going to say, oh, it's my pleasure. Right. And you feel that like, okay, I'm definitely going to come back here. They treat me well. The food's good. But then also, I think what Chick-fil-A does well that probably, I think we probably realize it because we're in the space, but even their their TV ads kind of come that full circle of like, we're helping customers because they always feature like how an employee went above and beyond to help out a customer, right? Or a, how another employee helped another employee like buy them a car because they were doing this or that. That's our so, whole new campaign they've been doing through 2020 and 2020. Yeah. So you get that full circle kind of like feel good story when you go there, when you see it on TV. So. I think you're right. It's definitely ingrained in their culture. And I'm pretty sure they had a manager save a little girl in a well last year. I'm I'm not joking about that. Well, yeah, I think you're uh, right. Yeah. And that's... <laughs> no, and, and there's, another, there's another story too where a customer that went in there had a heart transplant. Someone that worked there had a heart transplant. So then they became like their own sort of like... Oh, wow. for this oh my gosh, customer. you guys. No, it's... I mean, it's, they're good at this. Like... Yeah. Okay, so... And to that point... A lot of people don't think about, so I, I used to work at a PR agency, a great one for a long, and I, I, was, I learned a lot there. And PR, which is mm. a big part, facet of that is find great stories that we have and tell them yep. to the world. Yep. Uh, again, if you program in to your marketing, well, we need people to think and know these great stories. Uh, I couldn't tell you a single other brand where an employee saves someone in a well, not a, not a single one, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but they've, and that goes back to, okay, well, why is our marketing doing this? Well, we want people's hearts to feel a certain way about this brand. And that goes back to, again, we, we want to know our audience. We want to, that's the research side. No, I think that's, I think that's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Chris, Leah. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, in, this is more of like a market research question. Do you mm-hmm. think that sometimes the, mar- that the mar- marketers in market research get kind of too dragged down by the data and forget to tell the stories? So that is, I I mentioned that I work with marketing brands specifically, Mm -hmm. and it's because most, a lot of research, I believe, has fallen into that trap. Mm -hmm. Um, The way I always say, everyone expects when you conduct research, we're going to do focus groups, we're going to do a survey. The the end result you're going to get is the big fat market research report. That's like a standard. We we still deliver that because we, Again, it's expected, but no one reads the big fat market research report except the researcher. Uh, It's so so, true. So what can you do to tell the story better? And maybe a better way to think of that is who are you telling the story to as a researcher? Because that's how you need to tell the story. So a good example, how I communicate, even what I communicate, but how I communicate to a creative director, the findings of a survey are going to be different than how we communicate uh, the findings of a survey to a media planner mm-hmm. because they have different, well, first off, they have different goals. And second, they think differently. Uh, again, I really like agencies. One of my favorite things about the agency world, and I've, worked, I've had the pleasure of working in a few, is everyone thinks differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into a brainstorm session, that's that's an asset that you're bringing analytical minds and PR minds and creative minds, and they're all going to hash out uh, a great idea for the client. But likewise, those are different minds. So creative briefs are a great example. 
creative briefs are something creative directors, copywriters, art directors use that's intrinsic with their process. So if a researcher can write a creative brief that sums up the insights, most most copywriters don't, copyright might be a bad example. Most art directors don't care about the statistic behind which half of the audience likes uh, your product more than the other half. They just need to know who's the audience that we're talking to. And through data, we can tell that. We can tell, you know, they're usually single or maybe they're uh, married and educated. Maybe they're, you know, you can break that into, and and then maybe you don't even say married and educated. You say they wake up every morning uh, next to their spouse and read the newspaper. Maybe there's there's other ways to communicate that through a creative brief that knocks on the inspirational pieces of the brain that a copywriter, an art director might use as opposed to a right. uh, PR writer. So, so this is where telling the story for who needs to hear it is the tricky part. Matt, I think this is interesting because it, well, I was watching your talk that you gave, I think at the American Marketing Association yeah. a couple of years back, and you gave the example of Old Spice. The sales were down, but can you tell, tell that example? Because I think it kind of correlates yeah. nicely with, the, with what you're saying here. That is, that's, so that's one of my favorite campaigns in history. Old Spice. Why didn't Kennedy at its best? What's that? Is it the Wine and Kennedy one with the Old Spice man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly the one. And officially, it's two campaigns, but that's the problem. So Old Spice is a brand that makes deodorant for men. And we'll, we'll stick with that. I know they've expanded a little, but they make products for men. And I, they do a great job. They even introduced Old Spice uh, in sex ed in like fifth or sixth grade as like your product sample. And now all of a sudden, you're an Old Spice guy forever. It's brilliant <laughs> to me. And I, I personally... <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what's interesting is around 2005, 2006. Oh yeah, that's one of that's a clever tactic. Yeah. Uh, but around 05, 06, uh, you had a lot of other brands. Unilever uh, was a big one taking market share of men's deodorant. And what they found out is men weren't buying men's deodorant. It was wives and girlfriends and moms, and and it didn't matter that they got this little bottle of Old Spice in fifth grade at an impressionable age. It just mattered who was buying stuff and buying the person buying stuff bought Unilever. They bought. So two campaigns came out of that. The first was Terry Crews and that was for men and had its own piece. But the bulk of it was Isaiah. Oh God, I can't remember his last name now. Uh, Yes, yes. So, you know, because he looks right at that camera and he says, hello, ladies. Look at you. (laughs) And if your man uses Old Spice, he can smell like me. Yep. they doubled sales in a year. I mean, and it makes sense they doubled sales. There was literally half an audience that they just never Not spoke to. to. That's, and that's all it takes. And I'll tell you a fun stat that I, I want to say this was about 2008 when this came out, the Isaiah commercial. That's right when YouTube was coming out. And that commercial became the most shared thing on YouTube ever at the time. But that's a big deal when you're a brand new YouTube you know, video platform people are sharing your video 30, 30 million times. I was in college across the street from Wine and Kennedy when that launched. And it was a masterclass that year for us. Like, we got to go see a bunch of like, we got to tour them all the time anyways. But we got to see like really how the process was for those campaigns. And it was literally like having a... Ma- like, we were in college, so it was class. But it was like an extra <laughs> masterclass. Because that was... I didn't graduate till 2010. And that was like... That was what you like. It, that was what you were trying to accomplish with your career. Essentially, cool. was that kind of success, which was so cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that example because it's like what you think is 
the opposite of reality, mm-hmm. right? And just by doing a little research and digging, you can find, no, this is this is actually our target market in terms of who's buying it. This is how well, we need to advertise to them. So that's really cool. And that's the important part. It's it's actually not a very deep insight. I say deep, meaning you can find that through simplest of research. Right. Um, but it's so pivotal. So imagine what happens when you go deep, what you can do. That's so true. somebody who's doing that right now is actually Goldfish Crackers. So Goldfish is now rebranding because they realize most of the people who buy and eat them are actually adults. Mm-hmm. And so they're releasing mega goldfish and jalapeno and like roasted garlic because really? I just heard it on my investment podcast. I've- I'm going to try some roasted garlic. I'm intrigued by this. Right. And so now they're, they like are pivoting or not, they're just expanding their market share because they were like, oh, actually, the people, we thought it was a kid's snack. It's actually an adult snack. And more people pair it with Chardonnay than they do with kids. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Fun facts. Okay. Well, that's a critical insight. And you could build a whole important campaign around that. I'm really curious to see that perform for them. Uh, the brand I, I always joke, <laughs> Disney. I, I theoretically, I got too old to watch their cartoons. So what did they do? They bought Marvel. They bought Star Wars. <laughs> uh, they kept yeah. making. Li- I mean, they're like, okay, Matt, we're going to get you back. Don't, don't worry. We got the thing you need. But that really is the thinking. Is yeah. you, you? We're providing a product or a service for our raving fans. It's not about convincing them to come back and or sell the goldfish to new people who've never heard of it. If you're a devoted goldfish fan and you want a bigger roasted garlic, which this is absolutely happening on a charcuterie plate this weekend. Um, <laughs> Send us a picture, Matt, when that happens. We gotta see it, you know. Let you know. <laughs> I think Disney's a whole case study in itself with the, the merchandising paired with the advertising paired with uh, all the shows and stuff they produce. Plus, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, like the, the, even the kids shows and the movies, like they make them interesting enough for adults to sit and watch them with their kids. So, yep, super interesting, super interesting. Now, I think we could probably talk all day, but I think we can wrap <laughs> it up with like maybe one final question. I really liked when you were talked about sort of how do you measure ROI, and you gave the example I think around Las Vegas and you know what happens in yeah. Vegas stays in Vegas. Can you maybe spend a couple minutes talk about that and how the ROI was measured and how that was a success? So that was a, a measurement that the uh the visitors authority out here did uh, it's, I think, believe it's a case study they still have on their website. It's a, it's a really cool one, but essentially they wanted to know the value of their advertising. And I, I apologize. I'm not gonna have, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but the value of advertising as opposed to marketing, you know, it's a bubble within the, well, that's a bad example. It's a piece of the pie as opposed to the whole pie. And how do you say, well, an ad contributed to someone going to Las Vegas as opposed to PR as opposed to. And so what did they do? They asked a lot of questions. They asked what kind of ads you saw. Can you recall ads? They asked how the ad played into their planning process as far as did you get ideas from it? Are you planning to come back? Oh, and that was the other side was a correlation, which might not necessarily be as as one-to-one, but there's a story there of people who rated the ads highly which the ads, you know, what happens in Vegas gets rated very highly. Mm-hmm. Um, those people who rated that high also said they were likely to come back to Las Vegas again. Huh. So you start to see these data points that tell a story. And then again, through through math, if you're asking the right questions, and I mentioned the Visitors Authority, they publish a really cool survey every single year of more than 3,000 Las Vegas visitors. 
and it's free. It's on their website. Uh, it's they've been doing it since the seventies. It's it's something I've been geeking out over for years because again, I live here. Uh, I even read it in college. But they ask questions along: How much did you spend for your hotel room, and how much did you spend on dining, gaming, and you build out a mathematical model from all those data points I just mentioned, from that survey, from other surveys, and you can decide the value of an ad in the planning of a trip. So is it, you know, on average X percent of the full trip, full trip, and then you can figure out the mathematical value of a trip. And from that, it's very easy to figure out the value of advertising for the individual and on the whole, uh, you can even break it down to the day, but that's a really important piece because Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. What I, I can't—I remember you said twenty-three to one. It was like that's—that's that's, that sounds right. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But so for every dollar spent on advertising, essentially twenty-three dollars eventually came back to Las Vegas. That was that's the amazing. ROI. And I always joke through research, especially if you can mathematically prove this. At that point, we, you've created what I call a money machine. Um, yeah. As long as you put more into it, more comes back out, and. You just have to repeat that model. And you could build those kind of models, those, those marketing machines through trial, experiment, and measurement in any vertical, uh, through digital, yeah. through PR. You can measure the value of PR, for instance, by seeing if your digital increases in targeted markets where you ran PR. So there's just ways to mathematically prove this is working. This piece isn't working. This piece could work better if we did X, Y, and Z. And again, that's usually a function of research. And then I go all the way back that a lot of teams unfortunately don't have because they're, it's just, it's not a resource they have available. And it's also unfortunately not always part of their thinking. But when it is, I mean, imagine if you could tell you were a marketing, a marketing person, I say that'd be agency or an in-house person. And you could say, Hey, to your client, we're going to build a marketing or a money machine. That's our goal. We are going to build your machine, put money into it. More I mean, money. Sign me up, right? Like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> and that really is the 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 goal. We have the power to do that. It's just a different way of thinking, and it takes yeah. some trial and experimentation. But that very much is the goal, right? I think it would really help out too. With like, I think you probably said this, and I, I heard it in your talk. But you know, you waste fifty percent of your advertising, but you don't know what fifty percent it is, right? Or something like right? Sorry, so. my life. Yep. <laughs> so it's and, interesting. This could really help out with that because it's it's tangible, like it's a measurable statistic mm-hmm. that you can easily pull, uh, point towards and say, no, like the 23 to one return, I think that's amazing to me. Like even if you can get like 10 to one, it's probably, probably oh, a good yeah. thing. So. But I'll even give you a more relevant for you guys. And I know we're trying to wrap uh, billboards. I've seen people, how do we measure this billboard versus that billboard? You could put a URL with a different, um, uh, sub URL or different and send them to a quick survey. Take yeah. one question, say, Hey, did you see this billboard enter for a chance to win a hundred dollar gift card? Mm. Um, but by using different URLs, same person can enter twice. Maybe they don't, but you track the efficacy of an individual board through a survey. So yes. I like that. Plus I, I think it's easy to do now with like a QR code, right? By the way, I love yeah. how a QR code was in fashion, out of fashion, now back in fashion. So. I'm going to say it was never in fashion. I'm really? just going to go like, down and oh say no. it was never in fashion. And I now it's my business card. Oh, yeah. Here, you could... Uh, I don't have one next to me. You could, you could <laughs> schedule a meeting with me just by scanning your phone in the card. It's cool. That's awesome. Uh, I love you it. You just do that on your it. LinkedIn app, too. You, I learned that after the fact. You're right. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Here. Matt, we're definitely going to have to do a round two because I think we could go on and on and on. So thank you so much for coming on today. Let's definitely do a round two. Really appreciate you coming on the show. 
Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Genuinely, I appreciate Question Pro. You guys have cool stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate Thanks it, so much, Matt. Thanks so much for listening to the MRX Influencers Podcast. If you want more information about Question Pro, go to questionpro.com. If you want to follow me, feel free to do so on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>